This is Women Who Build Empires, a podcast celebrating women entrepreneurs and thought leaders who are turning the tables on outdated old school belief systems and building business empires that align with who they are, how they work, and how they are leaving a lasting legacy. And I'm your host, Emmy Kirshner, serial entrepreneur, investor, and business consultant for ambitious women entrepreneurs who are boldly taking their business to the next level. In each episode, you're going to get to know the women who are unafraid to put it all on the line as they share the stories of how both success and failure have helped them become incredible CEOs. Hey, Empresses. On today's show, I have Bobby Brissett. She is the CEO and founder of Virtual Gurus, a company that I am using to help expand my team. And it is a tech platform that creates work from home opportunities for underrepresented people while at the same time providing fractional back office support to businesses. It has been an absolute game changer for me and several of my clients because What Bobby has done is created an incredible platform to match you with the right person for the position that you have open that you might need only a few hours a week. And believe me, I've used a lot of different virtual assistants, both agencies and individual VAs over the years. And as I said, this has been completely transformative. So in the interview, we talk about how Bobby was laid off from her oil and gas job and when she was unable to find other work, decided to start this business and what it was like overcoming imposter syndrome, how she's had to learn to shift from wanting to be led to being the leader and how she really focuses on developing not only her immediate team, but working with all of the contractors that are part of Virtual Gurus as humans and not focus so much on skill set. I think you are going to find this podcast episode extremely helpful, not only in a team building aspect, but also in how to really take your company or your business and continue to expand your empire as Bobby has with hers. Hey, Bobby, I am so excited to have you on the show. We chatted what seems like forever ago. And since then, as we were just talking, um, I've been using your company, Virtual Gurus. Love it. So first of all, welcome, as I said, and share with everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do. Hi, Emmy. Thank you so much. And uh, so happy to hear that you use the service. Um, So I'm Bobby, the founder and CEO of Virtual Gurus. Uh, About uh, seven years ago, I was working in oil and gas here in Alberta, and uh, I was laid off just like everybody else. But uh, as a queer, Indigenous, First Nations uh, person, I really struggled to find work and for people to take me serious. Um, and so I created a company just to create a job for myself. Um, so now Virtual Gurus is a uh, technology platform where we create work from home opportunities for underserved uh, folks in Canada and the U.S. Um, so essentially thank people with disabilities to uh, stay at home moms to uh, people just trying to make ends meet, for example, like 
we do have uh, people that might have anxiety and can't go out in public or or somebody who maybe can't really afford to uh, get a car to go to work when they're in a remote community, for example. Um, and so the goal is, is that we provide all of them work through the platform and give them meaningful work from home opportunities. And we do this by uh, matching them with uh, AI with our proprietary software. It's an algorithm where we can match and then we work everybody through our uh, proprietary software platform called the Talent Place. Right, right. And that's what I have loved about your agency and your company is that, and I've used a number of virtual assistant agencies over the years and worked with virtual assistants directly. And the AI really does a great job of, of matching skill sets and personalities to your clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, you know, it's obviously a work in progress. I mean, if you think about uh, Tinder or Bumble, you're never going to get your first match right off the bat. Um, but what we're trying to do is not only eliminate uh, multiple matches, but we're also trying to make sure that we're matching with somebody that best suits you, whether it be your personality, whether it be um, the kind of workers you need. And um, I do like to tell all of our clients that when you do get matched with somebody, it's okay if that match doesn't work out. We'll make sure that match gets matched with somebody else. We will rematch you until you find that perfect match. And some people will go through two to five before they find the perfect person. Um, And that's okay. Uh, that's why we're there. That's why we're there to create those matches. Right, right. Yeah. And it's, I mean, for me, at least it's working and working really well. So kudos to you for however you're making the magic in the algorithm in the back end. So, <laughs> um, I am curious though, because oil and gas and tech company seem very different for me. So One, what were some of the challenges that you found after you were laid off that inspired you to start the business? And then two, why a tech company? Why virtual assistants as opposed to any other company? Yeah, you know, when I first got laid off, I the only job I could find was being a barista in a coffee shop here. Um, When I did get laid off, I was I worked my way up to being a foreman. And so, which was great for me. However, that meant that during the recession, there were 50 to 100,000 people that were laid off ahead of me, um, which means that they scooped up all of the good jobs. That said, administration is actually my background, um, administration and sales. So any job that I was applying for, people were not giving me the opportunity. Um, I hate to say it, but I, I do live in a pretty conservative city. It's, it's a lovely city, one of my favorites. I call it home, even though I'm not from here, but it is pretty conservative. So being somebody that looks and dresses the way I do, um, being somebody who has continuously been looked over, um, you know, and I'm not exactly Donna from Suits, right? Because that's yeah. what administration, you have that um, that look and that, you know, and so I, I set out to break that stigma and to say, hey, look, just because I have tattoos or that I'm an Indigenous woman with short hair, um, it doesn't mean I can't do it. And so I, I, the only other option I had was to create my own job. So I started freelancing myself out as an administration person to companies who are now our competitors. And um, it was then that I found a disconnect that these companies had a really high churn. Um, they had a high turnover because they treated their freelancers very poorly. And you had to bid as low as $2 an hour just to get a a task. And uh, I thought surely that wasn't feasible, that wasn't okay. Nobody can live off of that. 
So I set out to create virtual gurus and originally all it was was a splash page. Um, and I was the salesperson, I was the CEO. There was no tech yet. Uh, this was in 2016, 2017. And um, I was the salesperson. So I'd call and say, you're a virtual assistant. And then it was me doing the virtual assistant. <laughs> and so I, I created the MVP that way and really built out the ICP and, and really built it all out. Um, fast forward, I my first year, I did about 265000 in revenue um, with no tech. And uh, so I started raising funds to build the technology. And then I wasn't able to close my first funding round until 2020. So I bootstrapped it with $300 left in my name all the way up to about $1.8 in revenue um, before I was able to get the funding to build the technology, which now that's why it's a full-blown artificial intelligence platform. Which is amazing. Yeah. What were some of the things that you had to learn starting out as a fresh entrepreneur and wearing all of the hats? I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because if you would have asked me seven years ago, eight years ago, before I started it, if I could see myself being an entrepreneur, I would have laughed and said no. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> Because I, I was set out to do, um, you know, I, I originally wanted to actually be um, a, a music instructor for uh, the hard of hearing. So I went and got my degree in sign language and did all of that. Um, and then I was traveling. I traveled everywhere. I, I, I rented a basement suite and just did, just lived this like nomad life. And, and I didn't really aspire to be an entrepreneur. But now fast forward, I'm like, this was my calling. I was meant to do this. Um, and uh, I would have to say, you know, I had to learn as I went. I learned without education on it. I didn't go to business school until just recently I graduated from Harvard. But I didn't actually do a lot and um, into the entrepreneurial. So all of it was learning as I went, which is probably quite a typical regular founder story. Like, you know, is a founder comes up with an idea, comes up with a problem figures out the solution and builds it and then either sells it and hands it off or keeps it. And um, I, I embraced that. And I really embraced the fact that I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I learned about my mistakes, figured it out. And, uh, you know, one of the number one things that I've probably had to learn, and this has got absolutely nothing to do with the business side of it, but was that I had to get out of my own shell and become confident and be more confident in my decisions, be more confident that I can do it, that, um, you know, to work over imposter syndrome, to work over all of that. I really had to figure that out before I could get out there and and, and do it. And that that was probably the, the hardest pill for me to swallow. Yeah. And that's what I've heard from a lot of entrepreneurs is you've got the, you know what the problem is you want to solve. You kind of have the idea of how you want to solve it, but the who am I? to be doing this thing that could be really big and cool and so helpful is scary. Exactly. And for me, um, might not seem it now, but that's only because I am kind of thrust into uh, being this person and being the CEO of this, this massive scale up now. And, um, but I actually am a pretty hardcore introvert. Um, you know, I'd, I'd rather just relax in my nice comfortable home and, you know, uh, you see me at, at people, I'm usually the ones at the sidelines. Um, now I'm obviously social and we'll talk to people, but this, the being, being who I am in this business is what's got me out to do that. Um, where before I was very comfortable being the quiet person. Um, so definitely something new. Are there certain 
I was, I want to say things, but certain skill sets or practices that you implemented to work on being more extroverted as an introverted person? Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny because my first time pitching and as a tech company, tech founder, you have to pitch the company a lot. Um, and my first time pitching was up in front of 200 investors and it was a big event. And I actually, five minutes before I was to go on stage and I'm notoriously known in the startup community for this, but um, I was like, no, I'm out of here. Picked up my computer, got everything, packed it up, left the <laughs> building. And uh, I was out of there and um, I thought, you know what, I can't do this. Uh, if this is part of the job, it, it's, I can't do it. It's not me. I, I you know, um, and so for me, it was learning to work over those fears and learning to say, hey, you know what, nobody can do this better than you. And really learning to work over the fear of entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is like, it is crazy. And, you know, everybody knows this, like it is one day, it's just smooth. The next day, it's a mess. And you don't really know what to expect, because every day is different. Yeah. Um, and the emotions, you have to ride through it. And, and that was something that I had to learn um, massively was riding through the emotions and then taking it on further in. Once I started having to hire people, now we have 50 employees, over almost a thousand contractors working in this system. And now I have over a thousand people working underneath me. And so now it's, it's taking all of that and turning it into the people side of it. Um, you know, and you have to be able to lead where I'm used to being led from people. I'm not used to being the leader. And so that, that was a lot to have to learn as well. And you have to be able to challenge yourself because, you know, if you can't, if you can't be uncomfortable, how are you going to be comfortable? Type deal. Right. You have to learn to be uncomfortable. And that's something I've learned is okay. Yeah. How did you make that transition from being led to being the leader? Um, it took a while. I, I honestly would like to say that, you know, it, it wasn't until this last two years, last year, like last maybe even year, year and a half stretching it where I realized I needed to change my entire leadership uh, model, the way I was leading, the way I was leading my leaders, the way I was allowing my leaders to lead the team. Um, so I ended up going to Harvard Business School so I could uh, learn leadership. And I learned a lot from it. And one of the things that I've learned the most was doing a 360 uh, review on myself and sitting down with counselors and really figuring out my leadership style versus how I would prefer to be led if I was in the footsteps of that person. So um, I, I was able to really shift my my leadership style this last year. And um, it's it's been amazing. It's been able, to, I've been able to see the company blossom. I've been able to see so much more. Um, I've been able to feel confident in making the decisions as to say, you know what, no, unfortunately, this person's not a good fit for the company or this or that because of my leadership. Where before, I would just let things run me over and I would let people make those decisions for me, um, you know, because I didn't have that confidence. So I think it all begins with confidence and and with um, mm -hmm. with with believing in yourself for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I so agree with you, too, because it is a transition. It's almost like going from the employee to mindset to leadership, CEO, business owner, whatever you want to call that other bucket, um, and being okay with owning all the decisions. Yeah. And you have to be okay with it. And you have to be okay with making mistakes on the decisions too. Yeah. Because nobody's never going to make a mistake. Like you're never not going to make a mistake in your leadership um, lifeline, you know, and uh, it's okay to make a mistake. As entrepreneurs, you you almost think that you have to be perfect. 
and you don't have to be perfect. You don't, you can, you know, you don't have to be. And I've learned to, since I've had to shift to that, I don't need to be perfect. I can unapologetically be myself for being, being this uh, First Nations, Indigenous, queer woman. I could be this strong person and still get the respect and still uh, learn and, and, and go with the challenges. And I think since I've been able to do that, it's been a whole different game, so. Yeah. How are you able to use being Indigenous and queer woman entrepreneur to your advantage? Because for me, at least, like when you're the only person in the room who kind of stands out, there is an yeah. opportunity to really make a difference. Yeah. I think for me, it was if I wanted this company to be known for being a company that provides work to underserved uh, folks um, that I needed to be able to not shy away from telling my story. For the first three years of running this, three, four years, I never talked about my story. Like if you go back into the media or anything, I rarely talk about the fact that I was raised by two moms, the fact that I'm Indigenous and, you know, everything. So um, it was when I started realizing I, in order for me, if I want to have this company be who I am and, and be create the impact that I wanted with this company, while also seeing my vision through with it, I needed to be comfortable with it myself, first and foremost. So once I really made that, that decision or the light bulb kind of went on, um, I just go to events. I, I'm, I'm myself, um, in the media myself, you see with tattoos, you see who I am. And I think that that actually gives everybody in our platform a safe stepping stone to tell their stories to. And at the end of the day, my number one goal is to inspire all the people that work on my platform. So if I'm not out there speaking my truth, then how do I expect them to speak their truth? Right. And to give them a safe space. So I think it was just an important part of my mission and my vision. Yeah, I love it personally. Uh, <laughs> and you are an inspiration. I mean, I you are an incredibly intelligent, powerful woman who has built an amazing business. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. How do you find your contractors? Um, at first, I started going on. You know, this is early, early. I was I was going on places like Kijiji and Craigslist and looking for people looking for work. Um, and reaching out to them. Um, but then as the story uh, went, you know, just blossomed and, and evolved, um, people come to us. So we get about 900 applications a week right now. Wow. Uh, people that want to come through the platform. Yeah, because they see the story out there. They they want to be accepted. They want to, they want to, everybody wants to work from home as well, but they want to be accepted. But they also want to be somewhere where our clients come to us because of the diversity angle. And so they know that whatever it is, whatever, you know, they are, whoever they are as a person, they're going to be accepted no matter what. So everybody wants that. Um, so right now we, yeah, we're getting anywhere from 2,500 to about 4,500 um, applications a month to work in the platform. We're bringing on right now only about 100 to 200 a month. Um, but that's only because of our current growth. We're just trying to make sure we keep up with it safely and not overextend. Um, and so we're, we are looking to bring on 2,500 here right away. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot. Like that's yeah. rapid growth in my mind. And what type of training or how do you onboard your new contractors so that they're all at the same kind of high level of performance, even though they have 
very different skill sets and specialties. Yeah, you know, one of the amazing things about our platform is we have created a whole onboarding process. Um, and so everything is automated. So in this last uh, two years, especially since I closed my seed round and my series A round, um, we were able to full blow and like work on the entire tech platform. So everything is 100% owned by us and built by us on the back end now. Um, and so the processes that they actually come into the platform, they fill out an online form and then they do go through skills testing. Um, this isn't necessarily to say you can't work here. It's to see where are their skills and, and what tier should we put them at. Um, do we need to skill them up or reskill them as we like to say? Do maybe they don't have any skills and we just don't have the the, the capacity for them right now? Um, and then we go into onboarding, and that's where they actually work with our complete talent recruiting department. Um, and so they have um, self tests, they have academy courses they could take, they have all of that. From there, they're actually put into a uh, platform, and it's what we call our talent hub. And there's hundreds and hundreds of them in there, and they have everything from perks to courses to events. There's an event going on right now that they're all attending. We have town halls for them. They have coffee chats. They have mentors, ambassadors. So we give them the full support for free. All of this for free just to work into the platform because we want to support them. And then they work on getting matched. So they get assigned a mentor and then they get matched with a client. Um, and then uh, we create that match. We check in. We have relationship monitors who check in to make sure how that match is going. If the match isn't going that well, we don't just say, okay, see you later. You're not doing well. We take that match away and we put that person back into the roster, skill them up, get them a mentor, and then give them another match. We we don't believe in just throwing them to the curb unless they actually have done something wrong, which is very rare. Um, and so then we just rematch the the uh, the, the clients. Um, yeah, I think it's one of the things that makes you most unique is that you're continuously training and leveling up the contractors and giving them opportunities to grow their skills. Absolutely, we created the Virtual Gurus Academy. Um, which if you are not a virtual assistant, you can pay for those courses. But if you're a virtual assistant with us, you get all the courses for free. Um, and there's 40 classes and they're all um, by virtual assistants for virtual assistants on social media, the bookkeeping, legal assistance, real estate assistance, uh, medical, everything. And so we're, 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 we're skilling them up and giving them that, that resource to, to make them successful work from home um, entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah. Why is it or what is it actually that's stopping more companies from hiring underserved people, underrepresented people? and not taking the opportunity to help them, one, get a leg up, but really utilizing their talent. You know, I think a lot of people, there's a stigma that people think that if you do hire an underserved person that they don't necessarily have the skills or the, you know, uh, or maybe even the people skills, whatever, right? People choose skills over human. And I mean, that's that's a natural human aspect like that just is what happens that's what that's how it is you look at a resume um you know back in the days when well back in the day people still do but when you have a bunch of resumes on your desk you're going to go through that resume and you're going to look at their linkedin and the first thing you're going to do is look at the photo of that person um you know and and so it's it's breaking that stigma and and saying hey look just because this person has a disability doesn't mean they don't have the skill set or hey look just because this person is from 
in First Nations Reserve doesn't mean they don't have the skill set, nor should they be not be given the chance to have or build a skill set. Um, and that's kind of what we do is we take that away and we say, we're giving this, we're helping you with your DEI measurements by saying, look, we've already pre-vetted, you don't have to pre-vet, we've already done all of that, here's the people. And now towards your own DEI measures, you could say that you are also um, providing work to an underserved person. Um, large companies come to us um, and we have lots of large clients and they actually come to us to request uh, freelancers or administration people through our platform because it helps them hit their DEI numbers. Um, and that's important. I, I think that's that's something that more companies, uh, especially now, are coming out and doing more. Um, I just think that uh, it's easier to go to somebody like us who's already pre-vetted them. So. Right, right. Yeah. right. Yeah. And do you feel people just gravitate towards, unconsciously, I'm presuming, but, but people that seem more like them instead of consciously and intentionally choosing somebody who could be a little different, but adds more value because they have a difference regardless of what that difference might be. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've had people come through us, uh, you know, um, and say, I want somebody with a disability as my, you know, and, and when we ask them why um, they say, because I have a disability and I want to support that. You know, um, and then we have some people that just want to because maybe somebody in their family might have a disability or somebody in their family might have be a person of color, for example, you know, and they want to do that to be able to say, this is what I want to do. I want to I want to give back. And, you know, they're not afraid to ask that, which is great. When when the virtual assistant comes through to us, they self-identify. So we never force them into identifying. Some people have lived through traumas who don't want to identify. And that's OK. Um, as long as they feel safe on the platform to know it's okay not to. They're just going to go there. Their pictures are still on the platform. People can still actually select them. But it's okay not to because we also do have to respect that some people have traumas. And, and so that's also important for employers out there who are looking at going this route on the DEI. Is just remember that not everybody will self-identify. Right, right. And mm-hmm. what do you think the value is of looking at somebody from their human potential over skills? I think the value is massive. I think it's like if you, for example, I was telling um, a person the other day, if you walk down the street and you see um, somebody on the side of the street that is homeless, that is, is is having struggles in their life, clear struggles in their life, you naturally first think, okay, poor person, horrible to be them, sucks to be them, you know, and continue moving. Or you think to yourself, what is this person? What has this person gone through? And you put yourself in their steps for a moment. You know, and, and, and that empathy of uh, it creates that empathy, but it creates that that understanding and that knowledge of knowing, OK, they're probably going through something I'll never know. But we as humans are quick to judge. Right. And so if we were just able to lift that one person up for just 10 minutes, that could probably make a heck of a difference in that person's entire life. So just like through our platform. All the people that have a story that are in there, you know, for example, we have a lot of single stay-at-home moms who are just trying to make ends meet. They can't afford to go and find a job or leave their kids because they have to be there with their young ones. You know, imagine how much difference we're making by providing them the opportunity when their kid's down for a nap just to make an additional $20 an hour um, doing some work from home um, positions and and opportunities and being able to to put food on the table. So. I think that if we as humans all just thought about each other as humans a little bit more, um, the world would be a little bit different for sure. I agree completely. And 
because for me, prior to starting this business, I've done a number of different things where had they only looked at my skill set, nobody would have ever hired me. Mm-hmm. Given great exactly. opportunities to come in and learn that because I'm committed, I'm dedicated, I learn fast, I'm great at figuring things out. Mm-hmm. And that was the advantage. Mm-hmm. Right? It's solving yeah. problems, not having the best skill around whatever the thing yeah. is. And and it's 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 normal to do that. So we we have um like we have an internship uh, partnership at our headquarters downtown Calgary, where all of our operations staff, and we we partner with companies who provide internship to people with disabilities or people who have been looked over, people that might have mental health problems. And they come and they work in our office because we're there to support them as people. And, um, you know, yet you probably have to put a little bit more time in, um, you know, but that's okay. Uh, at the end of the day, you're leaving feeling fulfilled because, you know, you're, you've done something good, you know, um, that's why we're thinking of actually starting a podcast called See the Good with Bobby, because it's like it's about seeing the good in people no matter what. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And there is something to good, something good to see in everybody. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We all have we all have something to contribute. I'm curious, um, as you're continuing to expand 2,500 new contractors, where do you see your company growing? Because you truly have an empire. You've built an empire. <laughs> you know, um, it's funny because we're, well, we're the largest company in Canada that does this, and we're the fourth or fifth largest right now in the U.S. I'm working on launching in the UK, the UK right away. Um, I'm, I'm starting the, the process of it and everything, but uh, I see I see us as being, you know, virtual assistants are here to stay. Obviously, virtual yeah. assistants have been around since 1996, and it originated from um, India, um, and, uh, you know, now it's almost making a comeback because of the pandemic, but we were already scaling before the pandemic. And then when the pandemic happened, it was just, okay, well, we're set for this. And we were able to triple our revenue by 300% each year through the pandemic. And it really scaled us. And now we were able to take that time, raise some funding, and we were able to increase our technology and really build out and hatch out the operations with the tech while scaling. And now we haven't even turned the tops on a quarter of the way. We're ready to crank the tops and actually take the entire industry by storm. Um, what I see for us is, is I, I see that our impact is going to start really making a big impact, not only just in Canada, but in the U.S., And I see that people are going to come to us because of that. And they're going to say, you know, the diversity and the equity and inclusion side of it from our our side is is what's needed. But also people are realizing you don't need a full-time administrative support or marketing support or bookkeeping support or any of that. You can come to a company like us, give back to those that need it. And at the same time, it's a win-win situation. Win-win-win. We get a client, you get a good person, the VA gets ours, right? So I, I do see us scaling into pretty mass uh, scale. Um, I think right now, you know, just what last, a year ago, actually this week, I closed a Series A funding round, and I'm the first Indigenous woman in Canada to close a Series A funding round, and I'm jumping into my Series B right now. Um, and so I, I see big things for virtual groups for sure. Um, a lot of gray hair too. Starting. <laughs> Right, it's not all sweat free. Um, <laughs> congratulations. 
one on closing the Series A and on um, being ready to take on Series B. What has that been like? Because I read in one of the articles when I was doing a little bit of research um, on you that you pitched to like 170 investors and were turned yeah. down over that, but um, who have said no to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my seed round, which was 1.25 million is what I raised. That's where I bootstrapped it up to that. Uh, or I bootstrapped it um, with no investments to 1.8 million issue revenue. And then I was able to close 1.25 million um, in 2020. Um, it took me two years to close that funding round because, yeah, a lot of investors would say no to me. They didn't think we were scalable. They thought maybe my impact was uh, not impactful enough, maybe we'll say. Um, they thought that uh, they couldn't really necessarily believe in me and I needed to prove myself because, I mean, let's face it, like I'm I'm, I'm, I'm a new entrepreneur at that time, right? And, and uh, yeah, so, I mean, I get it. But I kept going and going and I was resilient. There was a few times where I said, you know what, this is enough. I'm done. Nobody believes in this. This is a, a bad idea. I'm just wasting my time, borrowing money from my parents, like, you know. And uh, I was really close to to ending it. Um, but uh, I ended up uh, hearing in the news about my lead investor at the time, Raven Indigenous Capital, being the first Indigenous um, capital investment company who were investing in Indigenous-led businesses or startups like us. So I called, uh, emailed them, and they called me right away. And they ended up leading my funding round. And I was able to bring in more investors. The funny thing is, it's a year, less than a year later, I had to go right into my Series A um, so I was able to close 8.4 million. That took me less than five months to close. And no one knows. Because I was able to prove from 1.8 million in revenue, I was able to quadruple our revenue, no problem, within a year. And was able to get the investment and show that we're scalable and show the technology. And then I was able to close it within five months. Um, and so that was a year ago that I closed 8.4 million. And I mean being high revenue and raising 8.4 million, but now we're gonna go into series B. So I'm I'm predicting that I'll probably have a, about a six to eight month close time on that. But um, I mean, I think really it was just the resilience of getting through all the no's and not being afraid to take no. Um, it eventually started letting no fuel my fire. Um, yeah. And once I started doing that, it works. Yeah, <laughs> I've found, and, and share with me if you've had a different experience, but I found, once you get past the fear of the rejection a little bit, like you're just like, all right, well, another no, keep going. It does create this like drive where you're like, all right, go ahead, say no, because I'm just going to keep yeah. going. Like, I don't care. Yeah. yeah, your no won't beat me down. And, you know, and yeah, and <laughs> you, you, you totally do. Um, you totally do. You take a, you start, once you start turning that no around that, it's fine. Like, you know, you're going to get no's in, in entrepreneurship all the time, all day long. You're going to get no's for multiple reasons. Um, but it's about taking that no and, and turning it around and saying, okay, well, no, I'm not, I'm not going to let that stop me. Um, you know, and, and, and that's what I did and I kept going. And so, I mean, I guess uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of people like that kind of rags to riches type story in a way. And I get that. And for me, it's it's not about that. For me, it's more about showing other young Indigenous women or other young women of color like me that you can do it if you put your mind to it. You can do it. Don't let don't take no. We're women. We're strong. Let's go. Right. And that's that's one of the things that I, I realized I 
I just had to keep going. And it wasn't about proving myself. It was about showing others that they can do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I always feel like when women work together, we can make everything that is impossible, very possible. So possible. Exactly. Yeah. You are taking the charge and leading the way in that. Yeah. And I mean, if we go back to where I really struggled with, um, you know, being in the limelight, I struggled with uh, being a public speaker and I struggle with that. It's, it, it, it all kind of adds together because the whole reason I do it is because of that. So all of the no's that I've gone through, all of the rejection, all of the struggles with this company really is what makes me get up every day because it's those that are actually fueling me to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this and I'm going to prove you wrong. And I, I just I just love that adrenaline side of the entrepreneurship now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it comes through. I mean, I can hear it in your voice and your energy. So mm-hmm. um, I'm really yeah. excited for you and everything that you're expanding into and uh, complete global domination, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. The, this whole side of the hair will be great next time. We talk. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be worth it, though. It'll be worth it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Bobby, where can everybody connect with you? You know, uh, LinkedIn seems is 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 uh, is one of the the best places. It's Bobby Reset. Um, our website is uh, www.thevirtualgurus.com. and um, we also have another app called Ask Betty. It's actually uh, askbetty.io. Um, so what this is, is more bite-sized tasks. So think about Uber model, turn your meter on when you want to work, turn it off when you don't want to work. Um, bite-sized tasks, for example, you know, hey, Betty, I just uh, did a podcast. Can you transcribe the podcast for me? Betty will go and transcribe it for you. Or, hey, Betty, I need you to make this appointment. Betty will do it for you. Um, all the people that are working in the background of Betty are students who are working in between class time so they can make extra money or moms, um, mostly moms. And um, that is actually scaling to uh, pretty big things on its own. Um, we're building the whole platform. And right now you can download it in Slack for free. Um, but uh, so askbetty.io, thevirtualgurus.com or uh, LinkedIn, Bobby Reset. Okay. So basically what you're sharing with me right now is that you have two companies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ask Betty's powered by, <laughs> but I, I built it because um, people kept coming to us and we're dedicated assistant monthly subscription model and kept saying, well, I only need one or two tasks done. And, you know, and it's like, okay, well, that's not virtual rules because we're dedicated. You get to know your person, you build a rapport. So we thought, you know what, let's build bite-sized tasks. So Ask Betty is a cat and, uh, you know, she does, uh, yeah. So it's just uh, bite-sized tasks. You can buy it in bundles, very cheap through Slack. Your first hour is free on us and you can get anything you want done. You never know who your Betty tasker is, but um, they're all students or moms. That is absolutely cool. Could you also build another platform that's kind of like TaskRabbit? So that random, like, please take this to the post office for me. We thought about it. The task, the task industry is is it's complicated, but we've yeah. definitely thought about actually uh, building that into a task type thing like that. Um, there's a lot of legalities that go to it for insurance purposes, but because um, if if somebody's taking that to the post office for you, they fall. Who's in charge of that insurance of them falling and hurting themselves? So that there is a there's a lot to, uh, of stuff behind that, but we we have thought about it. 
Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to when you add that in. (laughs) (laughs) Robbie, this has been amazing. You are on fire. Um, I'm so impressed by everything that you have created and the dedication that your team has and how committed they are to virtual gurus as well, because I've talked to a number of people on your team um, over the last couple of months and they love working for you. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I mean, every day I walk through the office, I go to the office when I do get in there and uh, I put my bag down and pick up my coffee and I walk through the entire office and I say hi to every single employee customer service to billing to marketing to every single one of them I say hi ask them how they're doing how their family's doing every day and my my assistant knows never to book me in that time because I'm I'm doing what I call the lion hunt and that's I'm going saying hi to all my lions and saying hi um and uh, I just think it's it's something that's super important um to get to know every single employee you know and to to, they're they're not a number they're they're people and humans and and it's, it's important yeah it is. It is. Mm-hmm. And you never know who's going to bring the next best idea. Exactly. Yeah. We're a very collaborative environment. And uh, I, I I take all the ideas from all my place. Um, and all these ideas, like I'm just the face behind the company. The majority of the company is built on the collaborative environment that we've created. Um, you know, and so it's, it's, I want them to be part of something and they're all a part of this and we're all in it together type deal. So it's, it's nice to have that. Yeah, it is. It is awesome. Again, thank you so much. This has been amazing. Likewise. Thank you. It's my hope that you find at least one nugget of value in each episode of Women Who Build Empires. And if that's true, please follow and share Women Who Build Empires with your friends and leave a review on Apple Podcast. Your support is what will help this podcast be found by more women just like you. 